The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to the Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome to the game as the Washington Commanders head up to New Jersey to face off against the New York Jets, currently underdogs uh, to whoever's going to be QB. Uh, right now, I believe Zach Wilson might be, although he's in concussion protocol. Aaron Rodgers has been activated, but he's to- he's told that he's not going to play any games. And it would be sort of a medical miracle if he were to come back from the Achilles. But regardless of their QB situation, the New York Jets favorites over the Washington Commanders. That's brutal. And Stoner, they are bound to, the New York Jets or Washington, however you want to see it, are bound to ruin some commander's fans Christmas. All right. How's that? Okay. Either the jets are going to beat the commanders. And for people like us who would like to see our team win, mm-hmm. we're going to be like, well, dang it. You know, that's our, you just ruined our Christmas weekend. Right. Maybe not right. necessarily ruined it, but you you, you put a damper on our Christmas oh, weekend because Washington, Washington lost. Right. Or yep. they are going to prove that they are a, an even worse team than the Washington commanders and Washington's going to win. And all of those people who've been dreaming of a top two, top three pick Mm. all of a sudden will be crying because Washington won this game. You saw it several years ago where they stopped the two point conversion. Everybody looked at it. That's what stopped us from drafting Joe Burrow and blah, Mm. blah, blah. And all these, all these other things here you play to win the game. And I do hope that Washington does end up winning this one as Trev is not here to remind me to switch over the, uh, the graphics, which I just did Trev again, not here because he was in a car accident earlier this week. He is okay, but he is resting, trying to get healthy. And we appreciate all those comments, you know, towards him that wish him the best, leave him there. Cause he'll watch this later Hit him up on his social media as well. And let him know that you're thinking about him, showing him some love this holiday season. The Jets are not a great team, but no. they have great aspects to them. And they really did seem like they were just a QB away from a potential serious deep playoff run. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers enters the stadium waving the American flag. Unfortunately, that was the lasting image of him in a New York Jets uniform. What do you make of the New York Jets stoner as far as the opponent this week? Oh, man. Uh, Like you talked about, the biggest thing is at their quarterback position when you have um, Zach Wilson. We don't know if he's going to play. He's coming off um, the last game, the last full game he played, where he was off awesome. He was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He was just slinging it all over the place, and he looked like the quarterback the Jets hoped he would be when they drafted him two overall. I can't remember. I think it was Zach Wilson. I believe it was two. 
yeah, so that that's quite impressive to be drafted that high. But he hasn't been that guy. He's had um, you know trade guys been traded to replace him. He's been benched for guys like Trevor Simeon, who if that's going to be the quarterback, if Zach Wilson can't go this week, uh, Tim Boyle is another guy who he was so bad that he's not even on their team anymore. Uh, so this is this is who the Jets are. The Jets are a woefully inept offensive team, but a fantastic defensive team, especially against the pass. They have one of those, I'm going to use it again, generational players in Sauce Gardner at cornerback. Player. He's a fantastic corner, and that's why their pass defense is second in the league. They've got some dudes up front that will get after the quarterback and they will stop the run. They're not as good as they are stopping the run. Uh, they're not as good stopping the run as they are as stopping the pass, but it still doesn't matter. They're a very good defense, and we want to see Sam Howell overcome the bad plays that he's had the last few weeks. This is not the team that he's going to be able to do it against, I don't believe, because the Jets do have such an excellent pass defense. But they're woefully inept offensively. They scored a grand total of zero points last week against the Dolphins. At least they the commanders got Houston. What's that? They scored 30 against Houston the week sure. before that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was Zach Wilson's big game. And then last week he got hurt, though. So uh, so maybe that has a little something to do with it, of why they only scored zero points. Although, just I don't know what he was doing against Houston, just losing his mind out there. They're just not a team to be afraid of. Sure. One more win than Washington. They have five wins. Washington has four wins. Um, but obviously Washington can easily lose this game because Washington is not a very good team either. It's going to be tough for Sam Howell to throw against this team, so I hope they rely on the run a little bit more. Brian Robinson did not practice again today, so not sure if he's going to be able to play. They didn't give the ball very much to Antonio Gibson last week. He got benched, I believe, for a bad blitz pickup, which caused Sam Howell to get sacked. I don't know what to expect of this game, Nathan. I don't. You've got two teams who are screaming. The fans are screaming to tank and to lose the game so that they don't fall back in the draft anymore because if you think about it, Washington may move behind the Jets if Washington wins. But the, and the Jets don't want to win either. Their fans, they want a high draft pick. They want to go out and draft, uh, I don't know, an offensive lineman probably because they have injuries all across their offensive line. It's just going to be one of those games that we have to watch because it's our team, but we really <laughs> – nobody else is going to watch. Nobody watched the game last week, right? Uh, Washington um, – In the, in the Rams. I already forgotten. Rams. <laughs> Rams. Right, more people yeah. watch Cowboys Bills. I was about to say a horrendous stat that I think Nikki J yeah. had pushed out was that both in LA and in Washington area, the DMV area, more fans tuned into the Dallas Cowboys than they did. I almost Washington tuned into the Cowboys and yeah. Bills game. My my brother, we're we're hosting a uh, Christmas Eve party. My brother in law is going to come over early because he wants to watch the Buccaneers. I told him. It'll be in one of the small rooms, and the it's commanders right. are going to be up on the big TV. Now, man. We we will not be streaming that live. We won't be doing a play-by-play. -play. We will be spending time with our family. So I'll, I'll probably get yelled at for watching the game while things are being prepared <laughs> and everything. Yeah. But 
hopefully enough people will be over from my uh from ep's family to help set up and all that that alleviates me to watch uh the misery that will be sunday against the jets you mentioned that the two teams are very close the jets are just behind the washington commanders in the nfl standings they have a great defense and that's probably largely why they are three point favorites going in because there's nothing nothing going on offense although i say that and you have wilson who has similar numbers to terry mclaurin Mm -hmm. and that's with some horrible yeah horrible qb play there um but outside of that and and actually hall is a a decent running back to brian robinson but banged up Mm -hmm. Uh, i did check zach wilson still in concussion protocol so yeah. that'll be the big question for them. With all those questions and that bad offense, is Washington really that bad to be three-point underdogs? Now, granted, that's essentially the home field advantage. Sure. So are we really that bad, though, Stoner, that you, you we're like one game behind, we're all this other stuff, they similar stats across the board for, for most things. So why are we three-point underdogs? That was a rhetorical question, right? Are we really that bad? Yes, <laughs> yeah, we we're pretty Washington, bad. I didn't, I didn't believe this team was that bad, but I, they are that bad. Why are there underdogs? I think maybe just you people, the the betting people who set the lines have watched Washington the last ten weeks and just said, "Oh my God, this team is bad." Yes, the Jets are bad, but Washington is just as bad. I don't think overall Washington is as bad a team as the Jets. I I believe, and we'll talk about it more when we get to our predictions, I believe this is a week that Washington is going to end up getting a win in this game. The Jets' offense stinks. It's Now, Washington has played some bad offenses and let them score some points. They did with the, uh, with, um, the Giants, and they did with the Patriots that were just really, and the Bears. Now, the Bears was early on, but the Bears' offense was really bad at the time. But the Jets, Jets' offense stinks. They're averaging 14 points a game, Nathan. Now I know I've done this. I've done this shtick many times that I say the New York Giants' offense stinks, and there's no way they're gonna beat Washington with that offense. And Time to put that money on uh, on the New York Jets, then. Yeah, that's survivor right. pick. Uh, yeah, survive. Yeah, okay. You <laughs> you do that on survivor pick. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I just think that Washington is bad, New York's bad. Somebody's got to win this game. They got to put the line somewhere to get people to put some money down on this game because otherwise they wouldn't. Uh, but it's going to be an even game. It's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And and uh, But Washington does have a way to beat them, and that's by running the ball. It's not by throwing Sam back there 40 times. But, again, we've said this many, many, in, many times out. this year. That's why I'm grimacing, Stoner. I'm like, are we really going to do that, or are we going to see Sam Howell out there for 40 snaps? He had mm. what I believe was a season-low snap count just last week, or sorry, drop back count, only dropping back 28, 29 times uh, as yeah. a season-low. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't because Washington was doing well. It was because they were doing so bad and we had to see Jacoby Brissett come out. And before I continue on the Jacoby Brissett thing, Tommy with an excellent point and those numbers on fans not tuning into the game, 
there was an issue with DirecTV. They have they do not have a contract with the local CBS affiliate, yeah. so they were unable to show the game if you had DirecTV. So that was a that was a reason. Probably doesn't account for I think there was two hundred thousand, uh, you know, people difference. So it probably doesn't account for two hundred thousand, but it does, you know, paint a different picture there sure. when it comes to that. And then uh, NCR giving me some grief over being putting the commanders up on the big TV. I'm just going to tell you, uh, NCR, I did not get this monster TV as my dream. I mean, EP killed me for it because I mean, I waited because I was just like, no, we're going to wait till it goes on sale. I'm going to get the big one. I'm going to get the one that's like the upper scale model and everything. I did not get this baby to play the Bucks game. All right. I got this baby. Hell to maybe. play some commander's games. So it might Preach, be against brother. the Geneva Conventions, and I might have not learned anything in my time in the Air Force, but I did learn you got to watch your team up on the big screen. So that's uh, that's exactly what I'll be doing there. Uh, it is, in fact, a Samsung uh, is the TV, as NCR was asking. Jacoby Brissett comes in in garbage time against the Rams, I say garbage time, and it was. It was garbage time. Don't let anybody tell ab- It was absolutely garbage time. Now, Washington was at the goal line with four minutes left in the game, like four minutes and 37 seconds, I believe, left in the game at the goal line. And some horrendous, whether or not it was Eric Bienemy or Ron Rivera, some awful clock management saw them score past the two minute warning and they were down 14. Right. Okay. So this question is going to be twofold. One, I'm going to get, go for the Jacoby Brissett one, but I will, I need a follow-up. Okay, okay. Stoner on that because Jacoby Brissett down 14 points leads Washington to the goal line. And then we see some great effort in there. He does score two touchdowns in that garbage time there doesn't really get the chance to put Washington in the place to win. Will we see Jacoby Brissett again if Sam Howe struggles? Reminder, Ron Rivera said they pulled him because they wanted to protect him. Right. So so you're asking me if we're going to see Jacoby Brissett. Are we going to see Jacoby Brissett again? Not injury-related. Not injury-related. No. You are not. And really, the biggest reason... And the biggest reason should be because they need him more reps, more reps, more reps, more reps. But the reason you're not is I don't know if you saw Ron's press conference yesterday, the Zoom press conference, and the media was kind of pressing him, asking about why he benched him about this whole is it was it a physical thing? Or was it Ron wanted no part of that question? He was just like, because I did. He was very short and very curt. He doesn't want to go through that again this week. He doesn't want to have to sit there and answer these questions with the media where they're just hounding him and hounding him and hounding him. And that's a part of it. That is a part when these coaches make these decisions on what they're going to have to answer to in the media. And he doesn't want to go through that again. He's a dead man walking. He knows he doesn't have a job next year with this team. He's going to get paid, but he doesn't have a job. And so he doesn't want to deal with all of that. And that was kind of my whole point with 
The whole reason I didn't want Sam Howell drafted in the first place is because you're always going to have to ask the Sam Howell question mm-hmm. when you have Carson Wentz in there playing quarterback and you have to constantly deal with the Sam Howell question. Hover note, coaches don't want to deal with that. And so, no, you're not going to see it because Ron Rivera does not want to deal with the media again about that question, about the Sam Howell being benched question. Tinfoil hat time. So if you got the conspiracy music, go ahead and hit that because I got a tinfoil hat time. Right. I I agree with Locked that Ron was was full of the Brown stuff, okay, when he said that. I don't think he was doing it to protect him. I I think that it was just because he was playing so bad and it was just like, okay, we got to do something else here. Now, I don't think it was necessarily to win the game, and I'll keep that tinfoil hat on later for that one. But what if... He has the direction from the top mm-hmm. to not keep Sam Howe in when he's having these bad games because they want people to have less tape of the bad stuff on him. Because you got to think back to Jason Wright's season ticket holder message. He said yeah. it's an exciting time because we got a young QB with a good arm and all this exciting sure. stuff about Sam Howe. But if Sam Howe goes out there and stinks it up, you you can't really stick to that. And you can't say you're an attractive spot for a GM and a coach because now all of a sudden this QB is looking a little poopy. Let me let me break down your tinfoil theory. Okay. Are you telling me with this theory that Jason Wright is making football decisions? He's he is mandating on-field personnel decisions. That's what your tinfoil theory is, is that Jason Wright. I told you it's tinfoil hat. I don't put, I never put on the tinfoil hat if I'm being serious. Okay. Right, right, for sure. But yeah, that does seem a little wacky or, or it's just a, a tanking decision. But again, I don't think Ron Rivera gives two S's about tanking this year because he Mm. benefits not at all from tanking. He doesn't. He, he have knows he's gone, though, right? He knows he gets. Go ahead, and give me the 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 conspiracy music because I'm going to keep the tinfoil hat on. Hit it again. You got it. All right. Yep. That's it. All right. On the Ron Rivera tanking side of things, here yeah. I mentioned Jacoby Brissett leads down the offense, scores a touchdown, comes back in the second drive, and ends up getting all the way to the goal line. Four thirty-seven to go in the game. Washington with all of its timeouts. Yep. They're on the goal line down 14. Yep. That's a potential. You score there. You hold them and your defense has actually been playing pretty well. You get the ball back Yep. and you can go down and score. You've seen Jacoby Brissett play very well. Instead, yep. Washington ends up drawing the clock down yeah. to one and calling these plays. They luck out, get a, uh, and, you know, a pass interference to restart this. They had an opportunity before the two-minute warning to get a playoff and choose not to. They run it down to the two-minute warning. Eventually, they do score. And down eight, what do the analytics say, Stoner? The stupid analytics say to go for two. They say go for two. What does Ron Rivera do? No, not down eight. Down eight. Yeah, 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 down eight. You're right, you're right. After scoring a touchdown for six And Ron Rivera has shown to go with this analytic, by the way. Right. Yeah. What does the analytics say to do? It says it go says for go two. For two right? What did Ron Rivera choose to do there against the Rams? He chose to kick an extra point, attempt an extra point, attempt an extra point, and never really got it. off there thanks to Cheeseman. 
uh, putting another one in the ground. All right. Mm -hmm. How is that not Ron Rivera? Again, tinfoil hat on. Right. No, I'm kind of being a little jokey, tongue in cheek here with right. it. How's that not Ron Rivera tanking? Tell me, Stoner, because he literally had the decision. Him and Eric Bienemy, I'm not going to leave Eric Bienemy out of this, okay? Uh -huh. Him and Eric Bienemy had the chance to get into the end zone with four minutes left in the game, three timeouts with your defense playing very well against these these LA Rams, not the St. Yeah. Louis ones that I called them several times right. earlier this week, but the LA Rams and give yourself a shot to go down and, and score rather than having to rely on getting the ball back with less than a minute or an onside kick. Well, I mean, I'm kind of with you in that also there was no hurry up on, on the offense. There was no urgency knowing given that situation with the late clock, late fourth quarter, down two scores, zero urgency. Two of the plays, I believe, the play clock was under five seconds, a running, yeah. and the game clock was running. Yeah. So there's no urgency. That that really bothered me. I, and here's why I don't think, because, again, Ron has nothing to gain by that. Eric Bieniemy has even less to gain by that. Eric Bieniemy. Ron Rivera is going to retire probably and never work again in the NFL other than a front office sort of cushy job. He's sure. not going to coach anymore. He's his legacy is kind of set or whatever, regardless of what happens here. But Eric B is trying to become a head coach and he has zero reason to tank. He has zero reason to purposely take as long, as long a time as they could. The problem is Nathan is they're just not, good enough at clock management they're not it was just it, and it's crazy because i saw a guy on the sideline there in ron's ear talking to him now he might have been saying slow down slow down <laughs> we, we don't, we don't want to really win this game slow down but it, that's the guy who's supposed to be saying here's your situations you know when you score you're going to want to go for two because you're down eight and then you're going to want to kick it deep and get the ball back and so on and so forth. But it's just my, I just don't think they're good enough. They're just smart enough. Yeah. They've shown it year after year, not Eric Bianami in particular, but Ron Rivera has shown year after year after year. He does not know how to manage the late game clock. He just doesn't. Yeah. He's not good. This, this has not been the first time we've been not screaming at our TVs about Ron yeah. Rivera and his poor clock management. So Correct. As much as I had fun with your, the tinfoil uh, hat, yeah, as much as I had fun with the tinfoil hat, Ron Rivera has just shown time and time again he is not as good at the game management aspect as he should be as a head coach. Now, it's fun to think about maybe it's it was fun. this, maybe it was this, or metaphor's point here. It's not about wasting time or tanking. It's that you just, Ron can't have Jacoby Brissett look too good because Sam was supposed to be the guy. Mm. And this is an offense I think a lot of people here, the Code Talker bringing this one up here, for the panel, week after week, we would sit here during the broadcast and ask, why isn't this offense running these this play or that play? Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's Sam's fault. Yeah. We, you in particular, Stoner, have had a lot of criticism towards Eric Benemy in this hmm. offense that he's been running. So right. why now, at the end, when it's the same cruddy offense in your opinion mm -hmm. is 
all of this now son being put on Sam Howe's shoulders? Well, it's very simple because when it was a cruddy offense in the middle of the season, he was excelling at it. It's still the same cruddy offense, and now he's not excelling at it. And there are a gazillion reasons why that could be. We don't know the exact reasons, but it's the same same offense. He didn't get a new offense, and so now it's Sam's fault with new. No, it's the same thing. So it's better defenses. It's teams have tape on him now. Teams are not blitzing as much, and they're playing more zone on him, and he's struggling with that. Are the receivers uh, not getting separation? Is it the offensive line is still not good enough and he's a little bit shell-shocked? There's a whole bunch of different possibilities, but it was the same offense at the beginning of the year that it is now, and now he's stinking at it. So you have to put that mostly on Sam. But I'm not. I'm not saying that. It could be, but I just don't know. There's just too many factors. A lot of variables. A lot of variables. Billy saying, Ron, uh, sorry, that's not the one. Billy saying here, Ron should be trying to win. He's auditioning. Ron's done, Billy. I think he's done for good. with, With his health and everything else, I think that, I mean, if you look at the entirety of his career, he's had three winning seasons. Not just we're not just talking Washington, we're talking Carolina. Okay. Everyone remembers 15 and one, and you're thinking, okay, he's a pretty good coach. He's had three winning seasons and nearly two decades of being a head coach. He's gonna retire. And I don't know if he'll take a front office job because Ron Rivera, the GM, might actually be worse than Ron Rivera. Oh, yeah, no, but like a Jason Wright type position with another team or with Washington, you know, a president of something or whatever to where he just kind of he is still very well respected and deservingly so is ron rivera the mentor ron rivera the person is good stuff okay we're not gonna hear me say anything bad about that this comment from billy was cousins kneeling instead of spiking it yeah another example mike earlier said washington's been in bad at clock management for a decade and that's and most teams actually are most teams are actually bad at clock management because in that heat of the moment, they're they're just not they can't figure it out and they can't think straight, which is why I've always wanted. You know, Washington does have that right now. I like the CEO type coach. I like the coach who has an offensive coordinator calling the offense, a defensive coordinator calling the defense. Now Washington's had that for four years and has not been successful, but I like the coach to who just makes decisions about clock and and gets you know dealing with the referees and all that because i see some of these offensive coaches or defensive coaches who when something is important in the game and they're on their headset they're calling play Mm -hmm. or whatever and i'm thinking you should be dealing with this clock or you should be dealing with this referee or you should be dealing with throwing the challenge flag that's maybe a an argument for another day but uh but yeah, Ron has not been good at that, and most teams actually aren't that great at it. Yeah, not that fair. Uptown Dre managing a clock. That Joker can't manage his dang nabbit team. Adios, amigos. There, Ron Rivera is expected to be gone. Rockman reminding us that it's not all on Sam Howers. Been plenty. Sam Howes been let down by his wide receivers this year. Sam Howes been let down by his offensive line. He's been let down by you know. A lot of defense. things. We, we get it. And I'm not going to make a lot of excuses for Sam Howell because I got tired of people making excuses for Sam Howell because Sam Howell himself has come out and said, I got to play better. 
And he does because he's been playing pretty dang on poopy. And that's something that he's got to change. And now his offensive line is being uh, from Bod here, mentioning that his senior year, he was garbage. And now he has a garbage line. And we also call, call, call a lot of pass plays, which is why his sack numbers are up. That's why you got to look at things like sack percentage because his sack percentage has dropped significantly. Uh, especially over the last few uh, games. But, I mean, he has, we'll say five, I think he has more than 500 attempts right now. He does because he's at like a 10% sack rate. He's no longer on pace to beat the sack record, which is impressive because he was at a rate of 100 plus records at 72. He was in a smash it, and now he's not even close to beating it. Some of that is him learning. Some of it is different. The by most metrics, this offensive line is actually average, not great, not bad. A lot of people like to get on to players because they they're just not. I'm, I get it. Charles Leno isn't Trent Williams. Right. Let it go. Let yeah, it right. go. It's, it's just. But Charles Leno is an okay left tackle. Would I mind drafting a left tackle? And replacing Charles Leno, I would I wouldn't have a problem with it one bit because that's improving the team at an important position. But if they went a different route, Charles Leno is a fine left tackle, not a great one, maybe not even a good one, but he's he is a definite left tackle. Spoiler alert: You will not be able to bump me off of my uh, my thinking in the off season. Left tackle should be what they draft number three or number four or number five overall, period. You'll never get me off of that argument. It's We always want the shiny new toy. We want the Marvin Harrison Jr. We want the, uh, you know, the Brock Bowers or whatever. No. And then all we do is complain about, well, you can't get it to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. because your quarterback's always under pressure because you got a bad offensive line. Well, you had a chance to draft an offensive lineman. So draft the offensive lineman. Some people want to draft Jamar Chase instead of Pene Sewell. I forget how to say his first name, right? So that's what the Bengals did. They went to the Super Bowl. Well, now Joe Burrow's hurt again and constantly getting sacked because they still don't have a left tackle. And Jamar Chase's number's going down, and Joe Burrow's getting hurt. Well, you might probably should have drafted a left tackle instead of a wide receiver. <laughs> I'm good so with drafting a, a player of the caliber of a Jamar Chase, okay? I'm perfectly okay with that. But you do have to address the left tackle position. Yes. Like if you have to address the line. I am fully on board with the stoner. Build right. build the trenches. They've got yes. a couple of good guys on the defensive side. They no longer have any edge rushers, which is frustrating. <laughs> yeah, but, right. But they do need to build up in the offensive line. Gus here talking about the offensive line here. Sam Cosme has been one of the highest rated guards over the last few weeks. Should we extend him this off season and get a discount for getting the deal no. done early? No. And I'm not saying don't sign Sam Howell. Don't sign a guy. Sam Cosme. Or Cosme. Sorry. Yeah. Don't sign a guy, um, you know, kind of hoping that you get him early or whatever. No, no, no. You have to figure out who he is first. And if that means you're going to have to pay a little bit extra because you waited a year, well, then that's what you're going to have to do, i.e. Deron Payne. Deron Payne is the perfect example of how you should handle a guy. You're not quite sure if he's the guy, 
And then when you're sure, you're just going to have to pay the going rate. That's what they did with Deron Payne. And, and that's kind of what you're going to have to do with Sam Cosme. You don't know for sure, again, if Sam Cosme is going to be that guy that you want to sign to a five-year contract. This is the first year he's finally been healthy, right? He's been, he was injured his first two years. Sure. So just wait and see if he can do it again the next year. And if he costs you $22 million a year, then that's what it's going to cost you. Don't worry about discounts because you could sign him to a discount and then he plays five or six games a year. Don't play that. Gus, uh, there's a little bit of revisionist history because we weren't really on board with the extension to Deron Payne. We definitely, throughout the season, it was exciting and we created the graphic to pay that man. Um, But when it came down to building a team, you just couldn't invest in your defensive tackle because you already invested in Jonathan Allen. Uh, So we weren't exactly thinking it was a great move. What he's saying, though, is personnel-wise, it's smarter to wait if you have questions about a guy to make sure that they're, they're that guy. Sam Cosme has questions. He played at right tackle, did fairly well his rookie season, getting a little bit injured. Last year, they had him kind of in and out at right tackle. This year, he tried. they're trying him out at guard. I think he's looked fantastic, but I would like to see more from him as far as uh, what's De- doing that. Defend myself on the Duran Payne thing. I was all about signing Deron Payne until they drafted Mathis. And then I said, if you're drafting Mathis, then you don't need Payne anymore because you don't need, again, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but you don't need a second rounder as a rotational who plays 20% of the game. So once they drafted him, then I was like, well, then don't sign him. But I was all about signing him beforehand. Uh, Tommy asking, why did they get rid of Sweat? Uh, Montez Sweat was somebody who I've been saying that's the one you want to sign. If they mm-hmm. had equal chase and him had equal seasons, you sign Sweat because he's shown the consistency. But if Chase Young has blows Sweat out of the water, you sign Chase Young because he is that guy who you drafted, uh, who you thought was going to be this monster. Of course, Montez Sweat now leads both the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears in sacks mm-hmm. right now. Montez Sweat doing well. The reason why they got rid of Montez Sweat was because the analytics said so. They weren't really shopping him, but when they are offered a second from the Bears, which looks like it's going to be one of the first five picks or so in the second round, they mm-hmm. said, you, you got to do it. Because and save yourself that cap space, figure out what you can do. Afterwards. That's right. Yeah. And maybe you take that second pick and you draft an edge that you pay $5 million a year rather than what's sweat getting now, $22 million a year, whatever it is, or, or you lose sweat altogether and get absolutely nothing for him because well, he was in the final year of his contract. That was quite the roller coaster, wasn't it? Because it was Montez Sweat was traded, and then there was this question of whether or not he was actually going to stay there. He was kind of coy about an espresser, and it was like, okay, so is this a one-year rental for a second year when you're in a losing season? It was like, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, he signs this massive contract. Yeah. And most people, pundits and, and fans, were like, you overpaid for an average guy 
and he gets six sacks since being traded. And now people are coming around to Montez Sweat being a quality edge rusher, mm-hmm. which I think he always was. Billy, by the way, is a Cincinnati fan, and he says I would take Chase over again every single time. And good luck with Jake Browning. I am just going to again reiterate: I am. Uh, if you have that level of talent, I'm not. I'm not complaining. You have to do something to fix the rest of the team, but you get the guy who has that kind of playmaking ability. There was a guy maybe here who you know was saying you got to take Kyle Hamilton and nobody wanted to take Kyle Hamilton and now look Kyle Hamilton's one of the best safeties in the league and we have serious question marks at safety for ourselves and but you took him you took Jahan now we Kyle traded Hamilton back in four well we traded back we did True. trade back and then uh Kyle Hamilton was taken before we took Jahan Dotson at 16 right True. Jahan but Dotson is Kyle still Hamilton Dotson's still on the team, Jahan. Okay, I just yeah, haven't yeah. seen Hey, we haven't seen much of it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and getting us back to the game action, as we're supposed to be talking about beating the Jets. Oh, yeah. Allison, yeah. getting us back on track here. Should Sam Howell play to win this game against the Jets? Or... I almost just put you in timeout. Go Who, ahead. me? No, Allison. Allison. Question. But th- this, is, this, is a, this is a question a lot of people, again, the Jets are either are, the Jets are guaranteed to ruin a Commanders fans Christmas weekend by either beating the Commanders and making people who want to win upset, or by being an awful team and losing to the Commanders and upsetting the Tank crowd, which is where mm-hmm. Allison's question is coming for, from. Should Sam Howe play to win this game against the Jets? I mean, if that's this just straight up question, should Sam Howell to play to win? I mean, that like I said, that question will get put get you put in timeout because of course Sam Howell is going to play to win. Should the Commanders front office do some things to so that they don't win? And that's another uh, argument. But Sam Howell, of course, you again, Sam Howell needs every rep as much as Commanders new regime, whoever that's going to be, needs to see every rep. Sam Howell's fighting for his career in these next three games. He can't go out there and not try to win and think he's going to all of a sudden, you know, get uh, another starting job with another team next year. Of course not. So, yeah, he's going to go out there and he's going to do everything he can to win. And hopefully he does go out there and give the commanders a win. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, why wouldn't you? Every single one of those players on both sides of the ball, they don't care where the team is picking. They care about winning football. We care about winning football. There's a lot to at stake here with the draft position, but Grimjaw here asking, mm. what would a win do for you? Please explain what would five wins do for you? This, this gets me riled up, Nathan. This, I know this, it does. This, I had, That's why I had to ask it. When, once Grim put it in there, I was like, oh, well, that's got to be asked. Jason Kelsey very famously said back in 2020 when the Eagles were talking about tanking that last game against the Redskins at the time, or maybe they were the football team, whatever. And he went on this whole thing about you, you build a culture within an organization by winning. You don't do anything to try and lose a game because that will instill a losing culture within an organization. 
And if anybody, if he hears of anybody anywhere around him that's going to do that, he wants no part of that organization and he wants out immediately. You just don't do that in competition, in a sport, in a billion dollar organization. You just don't do that where you just try to lose. That's really the kind of the way I look at it and try to explain it. But the opposite should be asked. What does a loss do for you? What does a loss that could possibly move you, let's just say, from where you're, where they're at now, which is what, four? They're at the number four spot. Yep. And so win maybe drops them to five, maybe six, I don't know. Uh, but a loss maybe moves you to three. I don't have the Tankathon website in front of me. But what does that do to help your organization? A couple of picks. Does it give you a little bit more leverage to possibly move back? Sure, it might do something like that. But that's not what winning organizations do. You instill winning attitude all the way around, and you try to win games because losing doesn't help anybody. There's nobody that you can't get at number six, for example, that you can get at three. Maybe there's a particular player, but as I will always say, no matter where Washington picks, let's just say they pick it six, Nathan. Mm-hmm. I promise you this, a Hall of Fame player will be picked after number six in this draft. It happens every draft. Mm-hmm. Every, a Hall of Famer is drafted after pretty much every team drafts. You just got to find the guy. Draft position means nothing. Drafting the right guy means everything. Making those right decisions. And so whoever the new GM is can pick a Hall of Fame player at number three, at number six, at number 10, at number 19, whatever it is, they can do it if they know what they're doing. It doesn't matter. You can have the two pick and you can draft Chase Young. And you can have the two pick and you can draft uh, RG3 and have one good year out of it. You can have the two and three pick and draft Chris Samuels and LeVar Arrington. Or you can have the the 199th pick and draft Tom Brady. Or the 200 and something, whatever Brock Purdy was last year, year before, and draft him. 255. That's who, that's what you need to do. It doesn't matter where you pick. It's who you pick. You can use your position and move up if there's a particular guy you have to have, or you can use your position and move back. But it's no guarantee that even if you pick at three, for example, if you lose all your games and you're third and you have leverage to move back and get extra picks, there's no guarantee that somebody's going to move up with you. And, and, And you get to move back and get more picks. There's no guarantee of that. You can't take those chances of instilling losing all around you. They'll lose if they're bad enough. They'll lose on their own. Don't try and do it. Yeah. Washington, a bad team. Excellent stoner, uh, by the way. Fully stamp of approval and agreeance there. Lots of people in with that as well. Some people still going with the loss is better in the long term. It was interesting with the the when you're talking about you can find a Hall of Famer 
later after that draft pick. And I am looking at like the nineties and on, I mean, every year does have some, but when you're talking about, let's say 1991, Brett Favre drafted in the second round hall of famer, uh, Nias Williams drafted in the third round. Mm -hmm. And so you you're looking, I'm looking at this and you can find hall of fame talent up and down the board. You don't necessarily have to have a top five pick to make an impact on the team. There are millions of ways to build a team. And we're going to be talking about that during the off season. We've mm. kind of gotten away from the New York jets here. And so let's bring it back with our game predictions coming up here in the cool down stick around and go ahead and put in your score predictions there and maybe we'll talk about a naughty a nice list here because it is the christmas season <laughs> 